Good evening. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, and this is the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Each week I'll be playing stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, highlighting different instruments and vocals in a way that will truly amaze you. Imagine sitting in the control room at EMI Studios and having the opportunity to peel away the layers of a song, discovering new elements that you never knew existed. This is the closest you can get to that experience. So sit back, tune in, and enjoy the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. I'll make you maybe next time October 9th, 2015 would have been John Lennon's 75th birthday. To celebrate, we're going to spend the next two shows focusing on his music. Part one tonight will feature music from the Beatles years, and next week, part two will be playing some rarities from his solo career. We'll start the show with three songs from 1964. The first is an underrated song from the Hard Day's Night LP, the closing number, I'll Be Back. Based on Del Shannon's Runaway, the song switches between major and minor in a creative way. The intro begins in A major for two bars before switching to A minor for the A section. The twist is that each A section ends with an A major chord and the guitar lick from the intro. While there's no chorus in the song, there are two different bridges, adding harmonic flavor in an unexpected way. The song showed a newfound maturity that would hint at some of the more acoustic sounds heard on Beatles for Sale, Help, and Rubber Soul. The Hard Day's Night LP presented Lennon at his most prolific. Of the 13 songs on the album, 10 are either Lennon compositions or songs that he primarily wrote with some help from McCartney. We'll follow with another song from A Hard Day's Night that was originally supposed to be part of the concert segment in the film, the Beatles' first riff-based song, You Can't Do That. Written while the group was in Miami for their Ed Sullivan Show appearance, the song is pure Lennon musically and lyrically. Although the song was cut from the film, it was broadcast exclusively on the Ed Sullivan Show on April 17, 1964, six weeks before the film's world premiere. In a 1964 interview, Harrison expressed his thoughts about their current single. I think the B-side is good. It's more interesting to us musically, to be honest. But the impact of Can't Buy Me Love is more instant than You Can't Do That. It's the more commercial side, but then, I thought this boy should have been an A-side. They did Can't Buy Me Love in Paris, and the other side over in Miami Beach. Ringo and I didn't chip in with any of it, except at the recording session, where we always try to help. We suggest little things here and there. This bit of information leads us to believe that Lennon came up with the guitar riff that is the true hook of the song before entering the studio. This is not surprising, as he would go on to pen such riff-based hits as I Feel Fine, Day Tripper, and Ticket to Ride. But the story doesn't stop there. In 2011, Rolling Stone published their list of the top 100 guitarists, with George Harrison landing at number 11. Tom Petty was asked to write the entry on George, and conveys a different story. George Harrison and I were once in the car, and the Beatles song You Can't Do That came on, with that great riff in the beginning on the 12th string. He goes, I came up with that. And I said, really? How? He said, I was just standing there and I thought, I've got to do something. That pretty much sums him up. He just had a way of getting right to the business, of finding the right thing to play. That was part of that Beatles magic. They all seem to find the right thing to play. Whether Lennon or Harrison came up with this memorable lick, it's hard to say for sure, but either way, it is a turning point. Although the group is familiar with songs that were based around a particular lick, such as Money, Johnny Be Good, What I Say, and Watch Your Step, to name a few, You Can't Do That marks the first use of a guitar hook in a Beatles original composition. Once again, the group is ahead of the pack, and are one of the first rock groups of the 60s to write a song that revolves around a guitar line, with the kinks you really got me still five months away from being recorded, and the Rolling Stones' I Can't Get No Satisfaction not seeing release for over a year. Arguably, You Can't Do That is the first original Beatles song that is more rock than pop. The idea of a two-bar riff was already in their consciousness from songs such as Money, That's What I Want, Words of Love, and Raunchy, but their spin on it would be a bit different, causing the Rolling Stones, the Yardbirds, the Kinks, and others to develop songs that were based on short, memorable riffs played on the guitar. It also marks the debut performance of Lennon as lead guitarist. In a 1964 interview with Melody Maker, he spoke candidly about his role as rhythm guitarist in the Beatles. I'd find it a drag to play rhythm all the time, so I always work myself out something interesting to play. The best example I could think of is like I did on You Can't Do That. There really isn't a lead guitarist and a rhythm guitarist on that, because I feel the rhythm guitarist role sounds too thin for records. Anyway, it drove me potty to play chunk chunk rhythm all the time. I never play anything as lead guitarist that George couldn't do better, but I like playing lead sometimes, so I do it. We'll then hear the A-side of their 8th British single, I Feel Fine. While in the studio recording 8 days a week, Lennon came up with the guitar riff for I Feel Fine, influenced by a 1961 song by Bobby Parker, Watch Your Step. Lennon elaborates. I told them I'd write a song specially for the riff, so they said, yes, you go away and do that. 
knowing that we'd almost finished the album Beatles for Sale. Anyway, going to the studio one morning, I said to Ringo, I've written this song, but it's lousy. But we tried it complete with riff, and it sounded like an A-side, so we decided to release it just like that. Drums have a Latin flavor to them that were inspired by Ray Charles What I Say. It was quite innovative for 1964, being the first time that feedback was used on a pop record. According to McCartney, John had a semi-acoustic Gibson guitar. It had a pickup on it, so it could be amplified. We were just about to walk away to listen to a take when John leaned his guitar against the amp. I could still hear him doing it. It went, no. And we went, what's that, voodoo? No, it's feedback. Wow, it's a great sound. George Martin was there, so he said, can we have that on the record? Well, I suppose we could, we could edit it on the front. It was a found object, an accident caused by leaning the guitar against the amp. I Feel Fine was the last of the six Beatles songs to go to number one on the Hot 100 within one calendar's year time, an all-time record. We're going to play two mixes for each song tonight to highlight different instruments and vocals. You know, if you break my heart, I'll go, but I'll be back again, cause I... Told you once before goodbye But I came back again I love you so I'm the one who wants you Yes, I'm the one who wants you Oh, 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 oh You could find better things to do than to break my heart again This time I will try to show that I'm not trying to pretend I thought that you would realize that if I ran away from you that you would want me to But I got a big surprise Oh, 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 oh You could find better things to do Than to break my heart again This time I will try to show that I'm Not trying to pretend to leave you You know I hate to leave you Oh, 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 oh You If you break my heart I'll go But I'll be back again
I got something to say that might cause you pain If I catch you talking to that boy again I'm gonna let you down And leave you flat Talking to him Do I have to tell you one more time I think it's a sin I think I'll let you down Let you down I'll leave you flat Gonna let you down and leave you flat Because I told you before Oh, you can't do that Everybody's green Cause I'm the one who won your love But if they'd see
We're back with part one of the John Lennon birthday edition of the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. We'll begin with three songs from 1965. First, an instrumental mix of Lennon's masterpiece Norwegian Wood. Written by Lennon with McCartney's help on the middle, the song is about an affair that Lennon had, possibly with neighbor Robert Freeman's wife Sonny or journalist Maureen Cleave. As Lennon explained in an interview with David Sheff, I was very careful and paranoid because I didn't want my wife Sin to know that there really was something going on outside of the household. I'd always had some kind of affairs going on, so I was trying to be sophisticated in writing about an affair, but in such a smokescreen way that you couldn't tell. According to McCartney, it was his idea to burn the house down at the end of the song, something most would think came from the mind of Lennon. The song was Lennon's last song that showed the heavy influence of Bob Dylan, and in turn influenced the Dylan song fourth time around from his 1966 LP Blonde on Blonde. To this day, nobody is quite sure whether it was an homage or a subtle mocking of Lennon's appropriation of Dylan's songwriting style. The song is also revolutionary for being one of the first pop songs to feature the sitar. We'll follow with another Beatles riff-based song from 1965, Day Tripper. Recorded at the third session for the Rubber Soul LP on October 16, 1965, it was slated as their 11th UK single and their first to be a double A-sided release with both Day Tripper and We Can Work It Out reaching the number one position in the charts, the ninth in a row. Although the song had been written before the session, they spent the first four and a half hours rehearsing and discussing the arrangement. As to who wrote the song, Lennon has changed his story over the years. In 1969, he claimed full authorship, but then in 1972, he recalled that he thought Paul helped with the verse. By 1980, he had changed the story again, stating, That's mine, including the guitar lick, the guitar break, and the whole bit. It's just a rock and roll song. Day trippers are people who go on a day trip, right? Usually on a ferry boat or something. But it was kind of, you know, you're a weekend hippie. In 1994, McCartney took a bit more credit for the songwriting and cited the drug reference. Acid was coming on the scene, and we'd often do these songs about the girl who thought she was it. Mainly the impetus for that used to come from John. I think John met quite a few girls who thought they were it. But this was just a tongue-in-cheek song about someone who was a day-tripper, a Sunday painter, a Sunday driver. Somebody was committed only in part to the idea. Where we saw ourselves as full-time trippers, fully committed drivers, she was just a day-tripper. That was a co-written effort. We were both making it all up, but I would give John the main credit. It's surprising that McCartney considered himself a full-time tripper, being that he wouldn't take acid until over a year later. For this mix, we'll focus on the fabulous vocals by McCartney, Lennon, and Harrison. Interestingly, it's another song where McCartney sings the lead line because the first note is at the top of Lennon's range, something we've seen in A Hard Day's Night, Any Time at All, No Reply, and others. Next up, an instrumental of Lennon's first love anthem, The Word. While most people look at the summer of 1967, the so-called Summer of Love, as the moment where young people embrace the concept of universal peace and love, nearly two years prior to this, the Beatles wrote one of the first hippie anthems, The Word. After Lennon and McCartney finished writing the song, they wrote out a multicolored lyric sheet, which in 1966 was given to Yoko Ono by John as a birthday present for composer John Cage after Paul refused to give Yoko any of their lyric sheets. Some of the funkiest Beatles tracks they ever recorded could be found on the UK version of Rubber Soul and the Beatles were well aware of this. With tongue planted firmly in cheek, they named the LP after a variation of the term Plastic Soul, which was sometimes used to describe the Rolling Stones sound, and was heard in McCartney's introduction to I'm Down, recorded at EMI Studios on June 14, 1965. The UK version of the album hits hard right from the start, with Drive My Car, but the US version substituted the song I've Just Seen a Face, giving the LP a more folk rock feel, which was in vogue at the time in the US. This is made more apparent by the addition of It's Only Love to start off the second side of the album, rather than what goes on. Tonight, we'll hear an instrumental version of the song that features Harmonium by George Martin.
taking the easy way out Got a good reason For taking the easy way out now She was a day tripper A one-way ticket, yeah It took me so long To find out And I found out She's a big teaser She took me half the way there She's a big teaser She took me half the way there now She was a day tripper One way ticket, yeah It took me so long To find out And I found out
Next up, the Beatles' second and more well-known love anthem, All You Need Is Love. Three weeks after the Beatles released Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band to critical acclaim, they were going to represent the United Kingdom on Our World, the first live global television link. Watched by over 400 million in 25 countries, the program was broadcast via satellite on June 25, 1967. On June 14th, they entered EMI Studios to lay down a basic track with Lennon on harpsichord, Starr on drums, and McCartney and Harrison laying down some amateur string bass and violin. Five days later, vocals were overdubbed, along with a banjo played by Lennon and piano by Martin. On the 23rd, the orchestra was brought in to overdub Martin's score, and after a few tweaks, they were ready for the big day. For the so-called live performance, John, Paul, and George sang, Ringo added more drums, Paul played bass, George played lead guitar, and the orchestra played along with their pre-recorded track. Not quite a live recording, but fascinating nonetheless. Lennon was always into slogans, and thought it might be a way to unite people. When asked in 1971 whether songs like Give Peace a Chance and Power to the People were propaganda songs, he answered, sure, so is all you need is love. I'm a revolutionary artist. My art is dedicated to change. Opinions are split as to whether the song was written specifically for the event, with George Martin and Ringo stating that it was, and Paul and George believing that it wasn't. As McCartney said in Anthology, I don't think it was written specially for it, but it was one of the songs we had. It was certainly tailored to it once we had it, but I've got a feeling it was just one of John's songs that was coming there. We went down to Olympic Studios in Barnes and recorded it, and then it became the song they said, ah, this is the one we should use. I don't actually think it was written for it. This mix will primarily feature Starr's drums, Lennon's harpsichord, Martin's piano, Harrison's guitar solo, and a bit of the orchestra in the choruses. We'll follow with another song from 67, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Lennon's inspiration for the song came when his son Julian showed him a nursery school drawing he called Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, depicting his classmate Lucy O'Donnell. Julian Lennon said, I don't know why I called it that or why it stood out from all my other drawings, but I obviously had an affection for Lucy at that age. I used to show Dad everything I'd built or painted at school, and this one sparked off the idea. It has been stated that the BBC banned the song because it was about drugs since the first letter of each noun spelled LST. Although they may have refused to play it much, it was never officially banned and was played at least once on May 20th, 1967. McCartney played the dreamy keyboard part on a Lowry organ with a setting that sounds like a celeste. Harrison's lead guitar was fed through a Leslie cabinet, and he also added the Indian instrument, the tambora. Lennon played acoustic guitar, piano, and maracas, and Starr, of course, played drums, deftly navigating from the 3-4 time signature of the verses to the 4-4 groove of the chorus. This instrumental mix will switch from one instrument to another, so stay sharp.
Welcome back to part one of the John Lennon birthday edition of the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. We're going to start with a song recorded in 1968 that spawned several versions that all use elements of the same backing track, Across the Universe. Lennon originally came up with the idea for the song in late 1967. I was lying next to my first wife in bed, you know, and I was irritated, and I was thinking, she must have been going on and on and on about something, and she'd gone to sleep, and I kept hearing these words over and over, flowing like an endless stream. I went downstairs and it turned into a sort of cosmic song, rather than an irritated song, rather than a why are you always mouthing off at me. The words were purely inspirational and were given to me as boom. I don't own it, you know. It came through like that. It's one of the best lyrics I've written. In fact, it could be the best. It's good poetry, or whatever you call it, without chewing it. See, the ones I like are the ones that stand as words, without melody. They don't have to have any melody, like a poem. You could read them. Although he held the lyrics in high regard, he always felt as if the Beatles sabotaged the recording and was not happy with any of the versions of the song. The basic track was recorded on February 4th, 1968 with acoustic guitar, percussion, tambura, and sitar. Lennon was particularly upset with McCartney's idea to invite two teenage fans, Gaylene Pease and Lizzie Bravo, in off the street to add backing vocals. Lennon wasn't pleased with the results, and the song was shelved until comedian Spike Milligan asked the group if he could use the track for release on his charity album he was organizing for the World Wildlife Fund. The mono mix for this version was sped up and bird noises added to keep it the wildlife theme. The band then rehearsed the song a number of times during the Get Back sessions with the idea of re-recording it, but a brand new version never materialized. When it was decided that footage of them rehearsing across the universe would be used for the movie Let It Be, producer Phil Spector remixed the February 1968 recording, slowing it down so it would be closer to its original speed, and added orchestral and choral overdubs. Surprisingly, Lennon commended him for his effort and would work with him on numerous projects after the Beatles split up. 
This mix will begin with a stripped-down version of Take 7, before switching to a mix of Take 8 that features the female backing vocals. We'll follow with the B-side of Hey Jude, Revolution. The first version of the song, Revolution No. 1, was actually the first song recorded for the White Album, and Lennon felt very strongly that it should be released as a single because of its lyrical content. When the rest of the group deemed it too slow, they returned to the studio to cut a faster version of it five weeks later. Lennon's distorted electric guitar was achieved by plugging directly into the console, something that was innovative and against the rules at EMI at the time. The song was also recorded in the key of B, a step higher than Revolution No. 1. This mix will focus on Starr's drums and Lennon's guitar, showing how the two of them could groove so perfectly together. rain into a paper cup they slither wildly as they slip away across the universe pools of sorrow waves of joy are drifting through my opened mind possessing and caressing me Jaguru Dance before me like a million eyes They call me on and on Across the universe Thoughts meander like a restless wind Inside a letterbox They tumble blindly As they make their way across the universe
Well, that's it for this week, Beatles fans. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, Volume 1, 1962-1963, and I hope you enjoyed Part 1 of the special John Lennon birthday edition of the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Tune in every Sunday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, to hear more deconstructed mixes of classic Beatle tunes, live cuts, solo recordings, and much more. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, ShadyBearBKLYN, and like the page where I want to tell you on Facebook. You can also check out the Paperback Writer page on Facebook, where you can talk to Beatles authors from around the world. You can pick up the book at Amazon.com, or on my website, TheBeatlesIWantToTellYou.com. See you next week.